Hello and welcome to episode 91 of Ready to Mosh. I'm Gem G and with me, as always, the Corey to my clown, Mr. Kev P. That makes you the clown? Yeah. Okay. Why not? Fair enough, no? I'm scared of clowns, so I wouldn't want you to be one. Okay. <laughs> sure there's a logic in there somewhere. Yeah, it's called Gem Logic. Okay. So today we are doing almost a normal kind of episode, I guess. Obviously, kind of? last few months have been very festival heavy, festival previews, festival reviews, yada, yada, yada. So we thought we'd have a bit of a catch up today. So we're going to do a few bits of recent news that have come up over the last week or so. And then we're going to do some reviews. We're going to look back on a couple of arguably the biggest albums that have come out over the summer that we didn't have a chance to include in an episode. And then some other bits and bobs that are newer as well. So just some few bits of festival news to begin with. So obviously in our Bloodstock review episodes, we did cover the announcement of Bloodstock for next year. The Was it 14 bands they've announced already? And then ticket sales wise, all of the VIP tickets have now sold out. So they pretty much kind of sold out on their initial release. And then they had another release last week. And that pretty much sold out straight away as well. And from what I've read, I think... The other early bird tickets are selling pretty well and quickly, so possibly a sellout next year. And Stone Dead put their tickets on early bird and that sold out. So it's all going on the festival front. Mm. And they haven't even announced anyone yet. No, they've not announced anyone. It's just based off previous years. Well, I mean, it does sell out really quick anyway. And there's also tickets available for Mangart Festival next year, which is going to be the same weekend in July. I can't remember the exact date. Again, no announcements have been made for that, but they are doing some early bird ticket for that at the moment. Also, Uprising 7's been announced. The headline is still to be announced on that. It's on the 25th of May at the O2 Academy in Leicester. And some of the bands that have been announced, though, include Breed 77, Discharge, Forlorn, Sugar Horse, Tribe of Ghosts. So there's some great, great bands there. It's over three stages. Tickets are still available, so go and get those now. And that is pretty much all of the news. Festival heavy, but it is what it is. Right, let's start on the reviews. So, first album up is one of the biggest of the year that we're going to talk about, and it's But Here We Are by The Foo Fighters. And this came out way back in June. Yeah, when I saw them. You don't need to go into that, Kevin. Your time will come. Will it, though? Well... I've taken them off. <laughs> I'm not convinced it will, but anyway. <laughs> yep, so this is their 11th studio album. Yeah. It's, I can't believe they've done that many. I can and I can't. Well, they've been, the first album was 94? 95. Is it 95? Yeah. Okay. So it's probably one every couple of years, isn't it? Yeah, I did read somewhere that Dave Grohl said that when he writes, when he starts to write a new album or the band starts to write a new album, they pretty much do it as soon as they've finished recording the last one wow and that's why they've kind of got a two-year cycle period yeah i guess a lot of bands probably do that though or bigger bands at least who are financially able to just churn not churn out you know what i mean they have that regular studio stream. time and streaming all of that and i suppose a lot of bands write while they're on the road touring one album well if i mean the first one came out in 95 and then the second one was 97 and they they wouldn't have been loaded at that point dave Grohl would have had a bit of money but not that much true yeah. But, yeah, I just thought it was an interesting process because most bands don't do that. They mm. write the album, record it, and then kind of like do it for about three years, and then and then yeah, and then a new again. one. Yeah, 
Anywho, here we are. Mm. Track one, Rescued. What do you think? I love this one. I loved it when they released it as a single. Yeah, it's one of my favourites on the mm. album. It almost feels like a flashback to Colour and the Shape, this one. Yeah, we said that when we did the review, didn't we? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's definitely got that nostalgia of the Colour and the Shape era coming through it, and definitely an anthem, which I was going to say you've heard live. Were you awake at that point? I would have been. I can't remember if they played it or not. I couldn't tell you what the set list was. They definitely played it because I remember watching it on the telly. Was it the first two tracks? I can't remember. <laughs> I did hear all of it. Yeah. But I woke up through halfway through the first song. Yeah, but this will be a massive sing-along on next year's tour. I can I can see that. It's clear choice as to why it's a single. And it feels almost like it's a rebuild again. Yeah, and then just setting the tone for the whole album. Yeah. Number two, then, is Under You. Mm, catchy. Yeah. Very catchy, but that kind of flows through this a lot. But it does kind of feel like a TV show tune at, in points. Do you think? Certain bits of it, yeah. It just remind me of a TV show. It kind of like it wouldn't go amiss from a TV show. Okay. Like an American yeah. kind of sitcom. Yeah, I kind of see what you mean on that one. This is another of my favourites. I just love the the fast pace on this one and kind of obviously the lyrics are very similar throughout, but definitely a contrast to like the upbeat melodies with it. Yeah, the tempo changes a lot in mm. this. And it's got a bit of a 90s feel as well. Yeah. Or well, kind of like, as I suppose the first track did kind of like feel a bit like Colour and Shape. Mm, yes, I agree with that. Track three, Hearing Voices. Yeah, this is a slower-paced one, isn't it? Um, for me, this had echoes of Everlong, both lyrically and musically. Oh, okay. Reminded me of The Cure. Oh, okay. It's kind of got, there's a bit of 80s kind of synth and kind of layered guitars that The Cure did. Mm. It just reminds me of that kind of thing. Yeah, I, re- I wrote down about the synth pop coming through it and those kind of poppy tones. Or um, with kind of the way that it's layered. Uh, killing joke. Yeah. Especially vocally. Kind of vocally, yeah, mm. kind of like the synth and the voc- vocally. It's kind of like, and he's a big killing joke fan anyway, isn't yeah. he? So kind of makes sense that that would come through. Oh, one other thing I just want to say that one finishes with a really, really odd outro. Yeah, it does actually, doesn't I it? For- I'd almost forgot yeah. about that, but yeah, really odd outro on the end. Number four is the title track, but here we are. And this is. Going back to being heavier, I felt this one was quite grungy, really raw on the vocals, lots of kind of old school Dave Grohl screams in it. Yeah, it's another one that reminded me of Killing Joke. A lot of reverb on the vocals. And it's probably my least favourite song of the album. Yeah, I wasn't sure if I liked this one. I did make a note saying, is it too long? Because I felt, I think this is about four, four, four something minutes, isn't it, this one? Mm. And I just felt like it was starting to repeat itself. Just like, dragged a little bit. Yeah. yeah, I felt this, yeah, I was dragging. A little bit. It did remind me again, a kind of an old Foo Fighters sound, but maybe more kind of there's nothing left to lose, kind of hmm. a bit further along the timeline. Then track five, The Glass. Sounds more of a mature sound, this. It's kind of like 70s style, almost um, almost Crosby, Nash, Stills and Young. You know, kind of like that mm. 70s sort of, Yeah. I don't know how to describe it, kind of like bluesy sort of feel to it. Yeah, I know what you mean. And, yeah, it's the sort of thing that wouldn't be out of place in, like, a 70s road trip movie. Yeah, I can see that. I thought it was, yeah, slower. It's obviously more acoustic, but then it's quite catchy still. Mm. It's got, like, a catchy line going through it and, yeah, 70s vibes. Nothing at all is the next one. So, again, kind of picking up the pace. Um, I thought it had quite a hard melody, but also it felt quite poppy. Yeah, I mean, it's another change of style. Mm. It, that kind of goes through all of that song as well. Yeah. 
and it does kind of build up to a rage and then sort of like slows back down again very bass driven yeah one of my favorite ones on the album i think track seven show me how this is my favorite song on the album was it yeah i absolutely love this yeah i do really like this one remind do you remember uh sound city players i remember the name it was the Dave Grohl supergroup that had oh, everybody in it. Oh, Trent Reznor, yeah. Josh Hom, yeah. Paul McCartney was on it, I think. Yeah. It had pretty much anybody in music on it. I really like the toned-down vocals from Dave Grohl because then Violet's vocals come through. Yeah. yeah, I like how they work really well together. Really suits the song. Yeah, the really beautiful vocals as well, actually. Mm. I mean, it's a strange choice as a single. Yeah, but I can kind of see why. They did it as well. Yeah, I mean, it just strikes me as a kind of a strange choice, but it is probably the best track on the album for me. Mm. And I, I don't know, it just kind of it seemed a bit of a strange choice, but yeah, I absolutely love this. Absolute masterpiece. Yeah, I felt it was, at times it sounded a bit shoegazy, that kind of vibe. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I get that. Uh, and yeah, quite dreamy at the start and slow and how it kind of just builds in as the vocals build in together. Mm. I really like the way it does that. Number eight, then, is Beyond Me. I felt that this almost sounded like a power ballad on the chorus. It got like that big kind of anthemic chorus to it. Mm. I thought it was, it's a lot slower than everything else mm. that's on it. And it just seems a little bit lost in comparison to the other tracks. Yeah. I just don't think it seems to fit as well, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a different change of vibe as we keep getting from song to song, really. Yeah, just lost me a little bit, this yeah. one. I, this one I wasn't too keen on. I probably like it because I do like a, a good old power ballad, don't I? <laughs> Track nine, The Teacher. This is a long song. It is, just it's about ten minutes. Yeah. Yeah, so longer by some distance. And it's a bit of a prog rock sort of sound. Yeah, I thought that as well. And it dips in and out different styles, but works really well. I don't think it feels like ten minutes. No, because it kind of, about halfway through you think it's finished, and then it kind of kicks back in again, doesn't it? In completely different styles yeah. again, yeah. Yeah, and it's definitely a mix of tempo, so it starts quite slow and acoustic, then you kick in, um, and it kind of builds, like I said, you think it's finished, and then it starts over again, but differently. Yeah, it's very much a kind of like a prog rock sort of track. Yeah, the first few times I listened to it, I thought, is it too long? But I don't think it is, actually. Mm. You know, like the other one that's not as long I thought was too long. <laughs> this one, it just kind of works better. And then the final track then, number 10, is Rest. It's very slow, acoustic, raw finish. And then it does kind of kick in halfway, but it's still quite raw and heavy and fuzzy and almost sounded like a demo, that kind of sound to it. Like it Do you know polished. what I've wrote down, that it was like, it's got a real lo-fi sound to it? Mm. It's definitely got flavours of the... I suppose it would have been kind of like the demo stuff that they did, mm. like for the first album. Yeah, it does sound a bit like that. Almost, I almost wonder if they... This is literally a demo where they just felt it sounded and it suited right for the album and it didn't get a lot of polish in. Could be. It's, mm. it's almost like a, it feels a bit like a lullaby and it's in very much in sync with the rest of the album, kind of like the tone of it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's a good track to end on. Yeah, I think it ended really well with that yeah. one. But yeah, overall, what are your thoughts on it? I'm going to say it's the best Foo Fighters album I've heard for 20 years. Trying to count back in time, when was that? <laughs> 2003 yeah yeah i'd agree with that yeah i think was it one by one came out in 2002 so i think yeah. i think it's probably the best album they've done since then i think the things they've done since then have had some skippable sections and Lots it's never skip- been yeah. my favorite stuff i've always gone back to kind of the first 
three, two, three albums, yeah. three, four albums even. Yeah, first four albums for me are always going to be my favourite apart from this one now. Yeah, this one's right in the mix. Yeah. I'd, I'd say it's definitely the best one they've done for a long time. Yeah, I just love all the different the variety of it. Hmm. And although it's obviously a very sad album and very poignant throughout the lyrics, yeah, just the different styles work so well with it. Yeah. And it's almost like, yeah, original Foo Fighters. Yeah, that's, like, what, that's what it feels them, like. Yeah. It sounds like it. And it feels like they've found the sound that they want to use again mm. or change to, if yeah. that makes sense. So out of ten? I've gone for eight and a half. Gone for eight. Yeah. Just because there's a couple of tracks on there, I'm just not mm. feeling it. Yeah, I know what you mean. I kind of nearly went for eight and then I thought, no, I'm going to add a half on. Okay. <laughs> you know. Right, the next big album we're going to be looking back on is Skindred's Smile, which came out on the 4th of August. What else happened on the 4th of August? Uh, it was the Queen Mother's birthday. It was. Or is that... Is the Queen Mother now the King's grandmother? I mean, she was anyway, wasn't she? Yeah. But, oh, I don't know. Well, I don't know what you're getting at <laughs> Sorry, there. I'm warm, it's hot, my brain's melted. Okay. <laughs> Anyhow, 4th of August was also Kev's birthday. And yeah, what did yeah, you get yeah. for your birthday? I got a wonderful signed copy of this album. There you go. Amongst many other things. Yeah. And I think we'll just start by mentioning that this did get to number two in the actual UK charts. Should have been number one. Should have been. Got pipped to the post by someone I've never heard of. Same. But, you know, Skinder did a really good go of pushing it all the way through that final week. They even did a competition to get Skindred to come and play in, the, in your house. Yeah, you they ended it. up on uh, BBC Breakfast they News. They did. They were, bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, I don't but, know how they ended up there. Well, anyway, they got to number two, though. Yeah, it was a good effort. That, good so. old effort, that. And deservedly so, mm. we think. But, yeah, we'll find out at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Track one, then, Our Religion. What do you think? Very much one for older fans of, well, fans of Skindred's older material. Mm-hmm, yeah. Not sure how this will go down with newer fans, but, I mean, I, I really like it, but I've been listening to Skindred for a long, long time. Yeah, same. I thought it was, like, really good, heavy start to the album, quite sludgy, some really dirgy vocals in it, and bouncy bass line, which are classic Skindred ingredients, really, aren't they? Yeah. Track two, Give Me That Boom. I love this song. It was obviously the first single that they released, but it's just so catchy and, again, it's got that classic kind of Skindred recipe, some classic Benji vocals on there, just an absolute sing-along anthem. Yeah, you see why it's kind of like a smash hit single, this one. Yeah. I'm with you, it's a great track. Sounds like Skindred having a lot of fun and still kind of mixing the older Skindred stuff into it, but almost changing it slightly to kind of the way that the rest of the album opens up. Yeah. And the sound that they kind of may be moving to now. Yeah, I agree with that. But yeah, definitely one of my standouts on the album. And also a rock fit track as well. Okay. So I have to get my arms a flailing wherever it comes on. Track three, Set Phasers, which was another single. And I think we reviewed it as a single actually. Um slightly different tone for this one, but I remember the first time did we do a live listen to this one, I think. I think we did, yeah. Yeah, and we both kind of came back from it and we were like, that was different, but it works and I like it. Yeah, very catchy. It's, I think it follows the same formula as Give Me That Boom. Yeah, yeah, it does. It works really well live. Yeah, it changes style 
um, from like older Skindred stuff to mm. to a more poppy feel. Yeah, and maybe the maybe kind of like that's where part of the mass appeal comes from. It could be. Yeah, it's got a really cool video as well. That one, hasn't it? It's yeah. That's the one where they're firing all the lasers off, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And just from that poppy sort of sound to it, you can see why it's got lots of attention on other platforms. Track four, Life That's Free. Uh, another one that I really like. I mean, I'll be, I mean, we'll get to it at the end, but this is a really good song. And it sounds like if Shikari did Skindred. Yeah, that's a good analogy. That's how it feels to me. Yeah, because I made a note it's quite poppy. There's lots of synth, isn't it? The chorus actually reminds me of a, it could be a 90s dance track. And it gives Benji a chance to show off his vocal range that... I suppose unless you've really seen Skindred Live, you don't really realise how good his vocals are. No, I've noted that on a couple of other tracks as well, yeah. that you can actually hear him. He's not just doing the kind of the reggae vocal or the shouty vocal. He's actually singing. Singing, yeah. Yeah, and he's got a great voice. Mm. And yeah, I do like this one. Number five, If I Could, another single. And an absolute earworm, because I listened to it earlier and it's stuck in my head and now I've got it in your head as well. Yeah. <laughs> Quite slow, this one, kind of a softer side, almost like a love song, but then it's got that heavy rate down in it. This is Skindred, if they did 90s soul and R&B yeah, in the I've UK. Noted soul and, again, Benji's yeah. melodic Am- vocals. Amazing vocals, really yeah. Really well on this one. And it, this is one where the chorus reminds me of something from the 90s, I think it yeah. is. Yeah. And for the life of me, I can't fucking remember what it is. Yeah, I know what you mean as well. It's something that you'd find on, I don't know, like a Now Dance 90s. Yeah. And he's, oh, I just can't think what it is. It's so annoying. Mm. But this is one of the best tracks on the album. Yeah. Track six, L-O-V-E. Smile, please. Uh, Strange choice for the middle of the album, this. Because it's completely Mm. different to everything. Yeah, like a halfway break, in a way. Yeah, I I don't know if it's kind of, if it's kind of like made to be like that or not i don't know if that was intentional but yeah it's completely different to everything else and i th- i would have thought this would have been perfect as an outro yeah to the end of the that's album what you mean yeah yeah that that's just kind of i, I feel like it, it just it's a instead of the middle it should be at the end mm. for me this one just you know like the sentiment of it the, the sound as well it just sounds like a great outro yeah i can see that to be honest i'm not as keen on this one no i can see why it's yeah it's almost, this is going to sound a bit weird, but almost too reggae within it, which I know is their roots and everything, but it's I think it's the trumpets in it, actually, and the chanting children. A great crowd-pleasing sing-along, and I love it live, and I think it's better live, and the first time we heard it was live, and then I heard the recorded version, and I was just not as keen on it. Yeah, it works better live, definitely yeah, works better live. you don't quite get the whole... the. Trumpets and the chanty children, I guess. I suppose, yeah. You just get the crowd singing along and it's, yeah, definitely a live one for me. Number seven, Disappointed Love, which could be misheard as Disappointed Love. It could be, yeah. Again, this is quite a slow one. It reminded me a little bit of the specials. Well, that's weird. Have you put that as well? I've wrote Skindred does the specials. (laughs) (laughs) I've wrote exactly the same thing. Yeah, so kind of slow, quiet reggae ragga vibes to it but then some heavy parts in it as well and again another one that really shows benji's vocals i've got pretty much exactly the same thing it's more reggae focused and the first line you can see it there skindred does the specials oh yeah i that was the first thing that i'd wrote it does go back to a bit of an older skindred sound mm. like really yeah, early skindred really, sound. Yeah. really early stuff 
So it's kind of it's quite a nice little flashback, I think. Track eight is Black Stars, which is one of my favourites on the album. I yeah. have to say, absolutely incredible song. Yeah, I really like this one. I wasn't so sure at first, and I don't know why, but I've listened to it again the last few days and mm. really, really like. Again, it's heavier, isn't it? And again, another catchy chorus. Yeah, and it's, I suppose, lyrically, kind of like the content-wise, it's kind of like a call to arms. Yeah. And it's Skindred being kind of like socially, politically, you know, throwing those overtones in just, it, it just works so well. It's really well put together. It's it's definitely one of the best on the album for me. Yeah, and those lyrics as well, kind of the social lyrics, do kind of feature through the album again. Yeah, yeah it is quite a social kind of commentary, isn't it, mm, running through yeah. it? Which is nothing new for them. No, it's, no, it's not, but yeah, it really stands out. they're sticking to that, even though they're obviously kind of a bit more in the mainstream now. They're not losing. Yeah, they're, they're never losing the principles mm. and what they kind of wanted to do. Yeah, I absolutely love this. Number nine, State of the Union. I felt this was a bit almost kind of pop rock meets disco. <laughs> okay. Oh. oh No, so I've got uh, one of the, the last couple of lines I wrote about this was that it's another one with kind of like heavy reggae combined with a disco feel. Yeah. That's what it comes across as, yeah. But again, more social and political commentary running yeah. through it. Like it, like the last track, really like this. And yeah, it's, it's an unusual sound, but it's, I like that we've both thought exactly yeah. the same thing. Track 10, Addicted. This, for me, kind of comes across as Benji sort of maturing and reflecting in life. Uh, you know, sort of like lyrically, uh, it's really catchy again, as it is with everything else on this album. It is really, yeah. really catchy. Yeah, I thought it was a really funky riff going through this one, some really good kind of layered vocals through it. The one thing I don't know if I like or dislike about it, I can't decide, but the one thing I did note about this is the all right bit reminded me of E17. <laughs> yes, I, I know exactly what you mean. When I noticed that, I couldn't get past it. <laughs> And that's all my, has it spoiled the song for me? I don't know. But yeah, I just couldn't get past thinking of he's 17 at yeah. that point. Okay. Yeah, I know which bit you mean. I do get that, yeah. <laughs> Number 11 is Mama, which did make me think a little bit of Bohemian Rhapsody. But yeah, very kind of reggae, chanty rock, quite soulful again in this one. And the chorus, which kind of contrasts with the more rap-based verse. Yeah, it's kind of more of a sentimental piece, this yeah. one, it felt like. Almost kind of like a bit of a crossover. Very, I suppose it's very different from a lot of the other stuff that's been on there so far. Yeah, it was quite a different vibe to this one, getting towards the end. And then final track, Unstoppable, which is my favourite track, I think, on the album. Yeah, again, I really like this one. I thought it was a great finish to it and that classic Skindred sound again. Yeah, it's one of the heaviest tracks, I think, on the album. Yeah. Thumping bass line. And it's just kind of like full of sort of like anger, retribution... It's just it's got everything. Yeah, I love the heavy guitars in this one and those that real kind of crossover with the metal and the reggae, which is like I say that classic Skindred. Can see why this was a single as well. Which is, I, th- I think for me, if you switch track six and track twelve around, mm. <laughs> that, I feel yeah. like that's the way it should have gone because yeah. you'd have finished. You've had like how we said about the last yeah. one changing pace and feel like it's getting to the end, and the last one yeah. feels like a great outro. Almost it's like, like a sing along kind of exit thing tune. Yeah wave your arms about and all that yeah exactly i feel like that's how it, it, that's the way i would have done it but mm. what do i know i was gonna say what are your thoughts my on thoughts it? i thought it showed like it's it's got that classic 
Skindred vibes going through it, but shows kind of a development of the sound and kind of looking at other ways to twist the sound a bit more. It's got a lot of diversity in it, different mixture of different, not genres, but you know what I mean, like... Almost styles. Styles, that's the word. Yeah, and again, like we've already mentioned, kind of the the social lyrics going through it, and I think it shows Benji's vocals again, as we've already said, shows those off really well throughout. Very well said. Can't argue with any of that. I think it's an absolute masterpiece. I think it is probably the best album I've heard this year. Ooh. Yeah. We might come back to that at the end of year review. But yeah, it's definitely it's definitely up there. It's definitely up there, isn't it? Mm. It's got yeah. a lot of competition. It has, year, yeah. But def- I can see why it was so popular. Regardless yeah. of the push of the marketing to get it to number one, it was always going to be. Yeah, I think even if it hadn't had that push on from the marketing side, I think anybody who was a Skindred fan or even kind of like a casual Skindred fan would have come across some of this stuff mm. and just bought this album anyway. And absolutely quite, loved it. And quite highly anticipated as well, because it's been like five years since Big yeah. Things. So when you think about it, it didn't it feel that long. That, it doesn't seem that long. But yeah, it's actually been quite a while for some new Skindred. Yeah, I didn't realise it. Yeah, I've been on... Wow, that is a while. I know. So yeah, out of ten? Eight and a half. I've got nine. They lost half a point for me for the trumpets. For the trumpets. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking hate a trumpet, don't you? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that one. Right, let's move on to the next one then. And the next one is Empire State Bastard, Rivers of Heresy, a more recent release which came out just last week on the 1st of September. And the first track up is Harvest. Yes, I think this was the first single they released as well. Yeah, I think it was. I've heard this quite a Mm. lot. And it is one of my favourites, actually. Yeah, I really like this one. I don't know if it's because I've heard it more or what, but yeah. Yeah, it sets the tone for the album straight away. Oh, very much so, literally from the first second. (laughs) Yeah. It's got insane drums, guitars, vocals, and then almost kind of cuts back to some kind of melodic sort of darkness. If yeah. that makes sense. Oh, it does. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, lots of dirgy guitars I picked up on, as well as these screaming vocals, quite distorted riffs. And it did remind me of very early Biffy. Oh, okay. One. That's interesting. Like very early Biffy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I really like this. And as good as it is listening to it again, it's even better live. Absolutely. I'd say that about all of it as well. It just had another level, didn't it? Like, Yeah. Yeah, so I've seen it, seen it a couple of times, seen them play everything a couple of times, live, I think, and it is, like, the whole th- experience is just better live. But yeah. it's, you still need to listen to it anyway. Are you just rubbing it in that you've seen them twice? No, I'm not, no. Mm. No, no, I'm not, I'm not rubbing it in. I'm just saying it's not. it wasn't just kind of like a one-off. It was, I've seen them twice, and they've been yeah. great both times. Fair enough. Like, you don't need to mention that again. <laughs> Track two, then, is Blusher, and this continues along in a similar vein some very kind of death metal vocals in this one i thought and frenzied guitars some dirty growling um yeah screaming riffs nice heavy breakdown in it what more could you want i think i wrote acidic audible onslaught mm-hmm. that's what it became it, it's relentless really nice kind of like stretched guitars as well like really strung out when the when they're being played it's yeah. really cool track three moi I have to say, for our older listeners, that the title of this one just reminds me of an episode of Faulty Towers. Really? Which one? Um, oh, what does he say? Pretentious? Moi? 
Oh, God, yeah. I've not even thought <laughs> Sorry, about that. Sorry, that's very tenuous. If you, very tenuous. If you know, you know. But anyway. Yeah, I thought this started very Biffy Clyro. All right. I'll be honest. Yeah. But then it kind of breaks into like really more violent vocals again. Yes. It's actually probably the lightest track on it. Yeah, I thought that as well. It's kind of very kind of slow, gentle build up and then kicks you in the head with deep chugs and anguish vocals oh. and kind of softens again and kind of repeats that formula a bit. Yeah, I mean, it's the lightest track on the album, but it still fits. And I think if, so I don't like Biffy Clyro, but if Biffy Clyro was this all the time, I'd be fine with that. Number four then, Tired, eh? I thought this one was a really interesting track because it is just vocals and drums, but it's still just a heap of noise. It's just those visceral screams and the drums bashing out and it's almost like they're having an argument with each other. Do you know what? That's not a million miles away from what I've put. Yeah? Yeah, I said I wrote that it was back to breakneck speed and it's kind of Dave Lombardo's beats driving the track, but then in a battle against Simon's vocals. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's just, what it feels like. I've just got this vision of them in the studio almost arguing with, obviously, Simon's voice and Dave just bashing out the drums against. And it's like dueling banjos. Yeah. It's like dueling banjos, but with drums and vocals. Yeah. Uh, track five, Sons and Daughters. Not the TV show from the 80s. <laughs> we're showing, lots, we're showing, we're showing our, our age a lot, yeah. aren't we? One for the older viewers. Older viewers. listeners again. <laughs> you might. No, you won't be viewing, will you? No. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a stoner doom metal sort of sound, this. Yeah, I thought that. I've got sludgy doomy as my words. Yeah, it feels like it kind of brings you down with the, that sort of edge to it, mm. but then it kind of just like punches you in the face again. Yeah. That's what it feels like. It just brings you right down and then smacks you before you hit the ground. Yeah. Yeah, kind of nice and sludgy and just, you know, doing its thing. And then, yeah, there's pelting drums, lots of reverb and screaming and wakes you up. Yeah. One of the things I noted, it's not this track, it was track three, Moi. That is one of my favourite albums on the track. I, forgot, I completely forgot to mention it. One of your favourite albums on the For, track, oh, eh? No, one of my favourite tracks on the album is one of my favourites. And yeah, I just thought I'd better say that now before I completely forget. Yeah, I think I've forgotten to note kind of which are my favourite. And I think that's partly because I found it hard to pick. There's one definitely is my favourite and one that's my least favourite. <laughs> Yeah. But the rest are like all mm. of them, I would say. Okay. And speaking of which, number six is Stutter, which is my favourite. I really like this one too. Yeah. I just love it's got those synths and some kind of 80s undertones going through it, mixed in with the onslaught of screams and the heavy hitting drums. And I love the beat that goes through this one. Yeah, it's kind of, it's more acidic than the last track. Mm. And it's got this strange little guitar lick in it. I, don't know, I think it's a guitar lick. But it's kind of like, almost like, reminds me of an indie track. I can't think what it is. It's just a mm. little two second thing that keeps slipping into it. Yeah, I really do like this. And then it just kind of slows down to a real sort of organized structural chaos right at the end. Yeah. Just, it just goes, it, you can tell it's kind of like it's meant to finish like that, but it's just chaos, but it works so well. Chaos is a good word for the whole album, I think. Yeah, it probably is. Track seven, Pom Fans. Uh, still moves at breakneck speed. Again, kind of like more organised chaos running through it. Mm. It just works really well on the album. It's just kind of like a good, well-placed sort of track. Yeah, I like this one in that it's quite fast, like you say, but I find it quite bouncy, almost punky at times with the speed of it and the way the drums 
I don't know, play through it. Yeah. Kind of double drumming adds to the chaos. Yeah, yeah it, it just works really well, doesn't mm. it? Just It's a good kind of segue. Number eight, Dusty. It's a nice name for a track, isn't it? And um, this was quite a slow burn intro and the way it's kind of got this really random, it seems like a random What's the word? Tempo of drums. I think that's the word I'm looking for. Remind me a bit of um, Biffy, Liffin is a Problem. You know, it's got that weird dirt. Oh, dirt, dirt, yeah. That mm. kind of pattern to it at the yeah. start. I really like the mixed layers of vocals in this one as well. And kind of halfway, it's just a massive explosion of noise again. And the guitars just take over. Yeah. Well, for me, this is my favourite track on the album. Really, I'm addicted mm. to this. It's got a kind of almost like a Terminator 2 sort of industrial synth sound. Mm, yeah, I noticed there were synths in this Yeah, a lot of synths yeah. in this. I don't think this would be out of place on a Nin album, to be honest. Yeah. It, it would probably yeah. fit right in. And then Simon's vocals kind of like really pierce through this. And then there's that industrial overtone working through it. And I, I think this is one of the best things I've heard this year. Wow. It's, yeah, I absolutely love this. A bold statement yeah. to bring back to the end of year review. Mm. If you remember. If I remember, yeah. That's up there with your quote of what I know is probably the worst thing you've heard this year. But Yeah, <laughs> that's on another episode. Yeah. Track nine is Sold, which is kind of back to the earlier sound. So it's kind of like gone back away from the synth mm. sound of the last track. And it's got some kind of biffy, claro sort of slowed down parts. Mm. Um, well, it slowed down, kind of relatively speaking, for this album. Yeah. But then it really builds to kind of a really quick crescendo and a finish that just works. I really like this one as well. I love the kind of the contrast in the vocals, and this I think it's probably got the most kind of melodic and kind of the most melodic vocals and the most audible lyrics. Yeah. Because right, obviously a lot of the lyrics are quite inaudible mm. with the screaming. Parts are, yeah, yeah. Parts are, yeah. Um, but then there's part of it where it's almost barking. Yeah, I like as well. So I just love that contrast, and I really like the guitars that go through this one as well. Maybe it is those hints of Biffy in it that I like. Mm. Number ten, the final track then is the looming, and this is the longest track on the album, which I think is about six something minutes. This one, mm. which is very much a contrast because a lot of tracks are less than three minutes, and this is my least favourite. Oh, that's interesting. I don't know what it is about it. Whether it's because it's the longest. <laughs> I don't know if it's just that or if it's just something about the distortion and the tuning in this one just didn't gel with my brain. I was listening to it earlier and it got to the point where it was just annoying me. And I don't know if it's because of what I was doing at work at the time and this was just in the background. And I'm just, I had to switch it off. I'm just like, shut up, Simon. So um, it might be a grower, but yeah. the first couple of times I listened to it, I was, yeah. I'm surprised you didn't like this because I thought it kind of started off very sort of biffy clyro with a synth start mm. and then it becomes kind of like almost dreamy and yeah. kind of slowed down part way through and i think it's a great finish to the album to be honest yeah it is kind of a good ending and it kind of just brings everything down to a almost like what's the word i'm looking for just calms everything down at the end i guess mm. yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay so what's your sort of summary and My score summary is it's an aggressive, feral and furious with sprinkles of melody. It's kind of similar the first time I listened to it. A lot of the tracks sounded very much the same. But then 
listened to it a couple of times since and there are they're not all the same. No. But you know what I mean? I feel like it's probably what people who don't regularly listen to kind of metal think that all metal sounds like because they just think it's all shouting yeah. and distortion and loud guitars. And they, they can't, I mean? the, their ears aren't the, refined enough yeah. to pick out the different things that are going on. Yeah, the more you listen to it, the more they're all unique tracks in their own right mm. as well. So it's kind of a similar formula but very different and it's kind of, there's hints of Biffy but it is absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> it's my summary. And what's your score? An eight. An eight. Okay. Well... I think for anybody listening to this who is who goes to listen to this album and is expecting Biffy Clyro, it's too hard for you. Oh, absolutely. For anybody listening to this expecting Slayer, it's not hard enough. Yeah, apart from the drums. Or, yeah, or the, isolated or the, the drums. Yeah, isolated. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you've got two people from two of the biggest band coming together on one album, along obviously along with other members. But there would be fans of Biffy Clara wanting to listen to it, fans of Slayer wanting to listen to it, and it is neither of those things. It's mm. it's its own kind of vessel. It's its own thing. Own unique thing. Yeah. I'll be honest, I think this is one of the best albums this year. Yeah. I I absolutely love this. I've listened to it a lot, and I've given it a nine. Wow. And we've just got a couple of singles that we want to mention as well. So, first single we've got is Scalper by Confide. And it's an interesting little single, this. There's uh, elements of a lot of different things going on. And does kind of remind me almost a little bit of System of Down in places, you know, kind of vocally. And then it's also combined with, I suppose, other bands, a bit like, I suppose, Out the Driving. I kind of, you know, the discorded kind of guitar and the riffs and some really heavy drums in it as well yeah it's quite um kind of a crossover of genres throughout the music really isn't it like you said kind of what you said plus i got some prog in there some definite grooves going through it yeah so groove metal vibes in it awesome vocals and then lyrically it's a social commentary on the rental market today Mm. and how homeowners are scalping renters i guess yeah so that's out now so make sure you give that a listen and the second single we just want to mention is Emergency by Chris Catalyst, which is from his upcoming album, Mad in England, which is out on the 6th of October. It is only available on YouTube as a video at the moment. It's not on Spotify or any other streaming sites as a single, I don't think. Yeah, I noticed that. It's a bit weird. I'm sure there's a very good reason for it. We just don't know what it is. But yeah, I love this song. It's just a, what I think is a classic Chris solo song, pop, rock, indie with a catchy chorus. Yeah, I really like this too. It's um, It's got kind of haunting guitars with almost like an upbeat tempo and chorus. There's all, it's a bit of a great flashback to kind of like 90s indie as well. Yeah, definitely. Like some of his other stuff is really. Yeah. I think that's kind of where his, a lot of his sound stems from. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the album. I think the album's going to be amazing. Yeah, I can't wait ba- for it. Based kind of like just off this one single. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, definitely. Well, we hope you enjoyed that episode. We are going to be back next week with another one. In the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram, Threads, X, or Twitter, whichever you prefer. And that's at Ready to Mosh Cast. We're also on Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube at Ready to Mosh. Don't forget to give us five stars on your preferred streaming platform. Write us a nice review because that all really helps. And we'll be back soon with another episode. 
make it stop. Moog. <laughs> 